You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, and you're very welcome to our weekly update on Tuesday, 26th of March, 2019. I'm Seamus Strapp from AIB Customer Treasury Services, and Ollie Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, joins us to discuss Brexit developments and last week's Central Bank meeting in the United States. Ali, it's been another hectic week for the Brexit process. Can you bring us up to speed with the latest developments? Well, we're still not clear in terms of where we're going with this. Um, obviously, the Heads of State Summit last week uh, allowed for deferral of the departure date, which is this Friday, the 29th of March. Now, it's still complicated. Um, they're willing to allow the UK uh, delay its departure until the 22nd of May, provided the withdrawal agreement is approved by Parliament before the 12th of April. And then they just need time to uh, legislate and put that enact that withdrawal agreement into law in the UK. The 22nd of May is, is the date because beyond that, you have the European Parliament elections. And if the UK was still in the EU at that stage, it would have to participate in those elections. So if they get the withdrawal agreement across the line in the next couple of weeks, um, we have a fairly clear process towards exit and a date. If they don't, uh, and you know we're coming up towards the 12th of May and the withdrawal agreement is not approved, the EU have made it clear that the only way they'll uh, consider further extension is if the UK has a plan B. Now, that might be to go for a softer Brexit. They could remain in the customs union. It might be a referendum. It may be a general election. But what the EU wants to avoid is a series of these cliff-edge events every couple of months where we just go from one to the other and the UK is no clearer or no nearer making a decision in terms of what it wants. So it's make your mind up time here for the UK um, and patience is running thin in uh, Brussels uh, with the ongoing indecision. So this is a big week and uh, we're still not clear what's going to happen. Uh, it's likely we'll see what's called a series of indicative votes in the House on Wednesday to see if a majority emerges for some form of Brexit. Now, it could be a softer Brexit, people are suggesting, maybe remain within the customs union. They've had these before, and you know, as the EU keep saying, you know, no majority has emerged for any option. And there's various these, these indicative votes could be for uh, remain in the customs union, remain in the single market, a second referendum, uh, hard Brexit, no deal, whatever you want to put on, on, on the agenda. But there's no guarantee that they will reach um, a majority decision. And in those circumstances, Theresa May may then go and put her withdrawal agreement before the House, if the Speaker allows her to do so, for a third vote, uh, you know, what's called a third meaningful vote. So, as you see, still a lot uh, of uncertainty, a lack of clarity in terms of where we're going here. But we, we now have two dates, the 12th of April to work to, uh, and the 22nd of May. And this week as well, the UK has to pass that legislation to delay the departure date uh, beyond the 29th of March. You mentioned the series of indicative votes for this week. Um, even if there is cross-party consensus and there is parliamentary agreement, the government will still have to agree to whatever that new plan would be. That's correct. And uh, if, if it was uh, marked variation for, for, for what's in the withdrawal agreement, you wonder if Theresa May would be in position to bring forward such a, a new uh, proposal. It would essentially be Parliament taking control of the legislative process, taking that control away from uh, the government. And there has been you know, a lot of speculation at the weekend in terms of whether Theresa May will last out this process, whether in fact she might indicate to her own party that she would step down soon after the withdrawal agreement was um, 
passed and the, legis- and the UK left the EU uh, and allowed a new leader to take over then to, to do the formal negotiations with the EU in terms of the trade deal that the UK has yet to negotiate with the uh, EU. So there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, a lot of moving parts. Uh, and, you know, we saw quite a dramatic week last week and we're still far from the final, uh, final position here in terms of Brexit for the UK. Euro sterling itself has remained uh, within recent ranges. Uh, is the market obviously so confident that a no-deal hard Brexit can be avoided? Is that being overly sanguine or complacent, do you think? Well, it has been volatile. It's moved around a lot now in the last couple of weeks in an 87 to 85p range uh, against the euro. I think uh, this week it started the, the currency started on a firmer footing. There's still the view out there that the one thing that the UK Parliament has agreed on is they don't want a hard Brexit. So from the market's point of view, they largely think a hard Brexit has been taken off the table. But we won't know that for certain until we find an alternative to a hard Brexit because no deal is is the default position. So we're running up against another date on the 12th of April um, if the withdrawal agreement is not approved. So I think what we've said in recent weeks in these podcasts is expect a fair bit of volatility in sterling, risk to the downside. If the withdrawal agreement goes through, you know, at 85p, we can see much further upside for sterling. Just remember, this is the, the withdrawal agreement marks the end of the beginning of the Brexit process. The real tough talks have got to commence yet in regard to trade, future trade relationships, etc. And that will weigh on sterling. I don't mean sterling will collapse, but it's hard to see sterling making progress in those sort of circumstances. So volatile, uh, some downside risks, uh, and hard to see much upside for sterling from current levels. I see there was one million people on the streets of London demanding a new referendum at the weekend, and the online petition for revocation is now at five million. Um, everything is still on the table, as you said, including a, a general election. A general election remains a possibility. I mean, one outcome, if, if the log jam in Parliament continues, well, then there's two ways out of it. Have a general election or what people say, go back to the people for another vote on this, uh, if Parliament can't reach a view. So I say, all options are still on the table here, and, um, you know, we're in for another uncertain uh, week, and, you know, the decision date has been moved out by the EU by two weeks to April 12th to give the UK more time to see can Parliament command a majority for some option on Brexit. And if, if they ultimately have to go for a longer extension uh, on the 12th of April, uh, a credible plan B and participation in the European elections would be required. Which Theresa May does not want to do. And that plan B is likely to be a softer form of Brexit. So Theresa May is hoping that at the end of the day, those people who favour a hard Brexit will come on board and support her deal because the option may be a second referendum, certainly European Parliament elections, and probably a softer Brexit. And it's fair to say, Ollie, that the EU is firmly in control of the timelines here. Well, they've set the dates. They're agreed now with the UK. So uh, it is, you know, they certainly are. uh, But they are running out of patience. So the UK needs to make its mind up soon on this. Okay, we'll be watching very closely as events unfold in the days and weeks ahead on on all themes Brexit. Uh, The Federal Reserve met last week, Ollie, and there was no change to policy. What's the update from the FOMC? 
Well, there's no change to policy. Rates were kept on hold, but there was quite a change in forecasts from the Fed in regard to the future course in interest rates. Now, the markets have already mo- have moved in this regard. The last set of forecasts were just before Christmas, and the Fed was telling us it would need to put rates up uh, by a further half percent, 225 basis points increases June 2019, and a further rate rise in 2020. Uh, now in March, it's telling us, actually, we're going to keep rates on hold this year. Uh, the economic outlook has become a lot uncertain. Uh, we don't know which way the economy will go. And in those sort of circumstances, uh, with inflation subdued, we think the prudent thing is to keep policy on hold for the rest of the year. No changes in rates. They have kept their rate increase in 2020. So they'll see one final rate increase next year. Now, the market has moved a lot in recent months uh, in view of the slowdown of the global economy. And actually, the market now is discounting two rate cuts in the U.S. next year and the following year. So it's uh, even though the Fed has softened its rate projections, it's quite some way now the market's saying we think rate cuts are on the agenda here by this time next year and a further rate cut to follow. Uh, but the Fed's saying, well, we think policy is on hold and we think it's more likely than not we'll have to increase rates again in 2020. So... The data will decide, and there's no doubt uh, we've seen softer global data in recent months, but we, we want to be careful about this because most of the weakness is actually concentrated in the manufacturing sector. Uh, and only last Friday we had PMI data from the US and from the US, from the Eurozone, and they confirmed this. Uh, in the US now, the indicators are much stronger. Services sector is doing very well, but there's been a softening in manufacturing activity there. Now it's still expanding. By contrast, in the Eurozone, Again, for the service sector, it's doing quite well, but the manufacturing sector has got very weak in the Eurozone, particularly in Germany, and obviously Italy has faltered as well. Uh, so we have this much weaker global manufacturing picture, and it's driven by a slowdown in international trade. Uh, it's driven by the ongoing uh, trade war between the US and China. The slowdown in the Chinese economy is not helping either. So this has seen, I suppose, Central banks become much more cautious for the outlook on the economy and interest rates, and markets in particular turn, uh, you know, much more dovish or expecting no tightening or rate cuts uh, across the globe. So what they're factoring in for the eurozone now is hardly any increase in interest rates at all in the next number of years, and actually rate cuts in the US, and the rate hikes that were expected in the UK have been put on ice as well. So there's been quite a change in market expectations on interest rates uh, in the past month or six weeks. The Fed's cleaned up catch-up uh, to some extent, but the Fed didn't move its economic forecast much. Much It just gently nudged down its growth forecast for 2019-2020 by very little. So it's still looking for the US economy to grow by 2.5% this year, 2% next year. And the economy with full employment, you know, that, that's, that's reasonably good growth. And it's a long way from what the markets might be pricing in, which is if you're, if you're looking for rate cuts, you think there's a recession coming. So there's quite a dichotomy there between the market and the Fed in terms of the outlook for the U.S. economy. OK, as you say, the ECB are very dovish at their most recent meeting in early March. Uh, from, the, from the Fed's perspective, do you think that they had one eye on the global slowdown when they were deciding about guidance last week? I think that's definitely weighing on their mind um, in the sense that it's already come through in terms of weakening indicators for the manufacturing sector. Now, they're not, they don't appear, they're more cautious, right? They're cautious. They're saying policy, we can put policy on hold here. We've raised rates to nearly 2.5%. Inflation remains uh, subdued, so we can take our time. So they've clearly indicated in recent statements, and this just wasn't in last week's meeting, this is the last month or two, 
that for them, um, the data will decide. So they're not going to be in any rush to do anything in terms of rates. And then if rates need to go up, they'll put them up. And if rates need to go down, they'll, they'll, they'll cut them. Now, they've indi- indicated that they're prepared to move in either direction, but their balance of forecasts are still towards a further rate rise in the US because overall that economy is still doing pretty well. So I think it's cautious on the sidelines, watch how the data develop, and then they'll make their decisions on the the basis of that. Thank you, Ollie, for your insightful commentary, and thank you for listening to our weekly update. You can subscribe to AB's Market Talk on SoundCloud, Spotify, and the podcast apps for iOS or Android. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.